listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Maybe Atlanta's approach to last night was this. They feel like there's a better chance Trey Young is going to come back in this series than Giannis. And, and, and if I were to bet, I would say there's, I, I would absolutely bet on that happening. And maybe they thought, Agreed. all right, we trust that with Trey Young, we can beat this team on the road or at home. So why not sit him last night, get a couple, cheat and get a couple extra days rest, we'll, we'll sacrifice a, a loss um, and go down 3-2, knowing we're probably not going to have to deal with Giannis in game six and seven, but at least we'll have Trey Young back and a little bit more healthy to do so. You know, when I hear you say that, the first thought I have is the idea that he could play, but hey, go take a nap. But no, what you're saying is he was somewhere on the borderline, perhaps. And that if he would have went, it would have been like a real like, man, he's got he's gutsy to go here. And your rationale being, I don't know, though, because if you look at game six, so game six is Saturday night and game six is in Atlanta. Now, this is a game that, you know, the home team should be a clear favor, and they're only favored by, what's the current number, two, McKenzie? Two and a half. Two and a half. So this is slightly below home court. So what they're saying is whatever chance there is of Trey Young playing, Milwaukee is still the better team by a smidge. That's showing you how bad the, and, and again, I think it shows you how good the Milwaukee pick, which it's easy to say now in hindsight, at minus four was, and the rationale was simple. If with Giannis, this team is favored by – with Giannis and a Trey Young, so let's say both the starters in, Milwaukee at home was upwards of eight in some spots at different points. So the idea that Giannis is gone and Trey Young is gone and the net effect should be a four-point swing, you know, downgrading Milwaukee, that says Giannis is four points better than Trey Young. That just doesn't make sense to me. Where, what did it close at? Because I know when we were on the air, we started the show yesterday for people that made, maybe didn't heard it. We started the show yesterday and the line was two and a half. Milwaukee minus two and a half. Assumption was Young was, was playing, but yeah. likely hobbled. And then in 60 seconds, and that's not even an exaggeration, it shot up to four. And so I just wondered, there was still an hour and a half or so before the game tipped off. I just wonder how much more the line moved. It closed, it closed four and a half with some minus juice on the favorite. So it was like, let's say 4.75. So in between four and a half and five. So less than you think. But again, it could be because Giannis is considered so much more valuable, which I disagree with. Or number two, it could be that when there's only an hour is an hour. And yeah, if it's a professional syndicate, they're there watching. There's a lot of people that bet real money that were maybe at dinner with their family. And in general, things move. The financial markets move on the stock market in milliseconds but even though betting is millions and millions and billions of dollars it doesn't move quite sometimes you'll see an injury like the Steelers they lost to Castro uh, on our podcast we quickly had a bet on Pittsburgh under like within about 12 hours and then what ended up happening under for the season wins then the season wins went down over the next week it just it, 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 the markets are not as efficient which is an advantage to betters the we more fit the more efficient a market is, the harder it is to beat. Go ahead. Would, would there have been more of a movement? Sorry to interrupt. Would there have been more of a movement if this were a weekend game? If last night was a Saturday, uh, would there have been I'd more say of less, of, less of a movement. Okay. Because in general, 
batters are human beings that 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 have weekends and they're especially during the summer when a lot of people are on the lake or whatever they do uh i like to stay in vegas but you know other people do other things so i in in fact there's a phenomenon in which if it's a christmas night or whatever and there's an injury that's when the some of the the more predatory batters aggressively try to bat because they got the b team or the c team in there and they don't know how to move the lines so so, yeah, this is as big as this industry is, <laughs> it's not 24 hours, you know, with a full staff. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Dallas Cowboys, third time, and maybe it'll be the charm for the Dallas Cowboys. They have been announced as the team that will be featured this year on HBO's Hard Knocks. It's the third time Jerry Jones and company have been featured on the program. The program's been around since 2001. So there's been, so far, uh, 16 different teams that uh, were featured. And one time, it was 15 years, two two teams in one year. And... Never, so the curse would be, and we can dig a little deeper on this, never has a team featured on Hard Knocks even made the Super Bowl. Didn't even Forget winning it. They haven't even made it. Now, statistically, over the course of 16 teams, one team should have made the Super Bowl. So it's not just, oh, it's only 16 teams. It's like, well, do the math, right? One out of 16 teams makes the Super Bowl every year, thus – one out of 16 years, one of the team, or one out of 16 teams, one year at a time, one should have made it just randomly. They didn't. Now, does that tell you that there's a curse? Maybe, maybe not. But I do believe the following, and then we can dig into the numbers a little bit. NFL teams hate distractions. And if you think back to the Browns a couple years ago, it strikes me that when you've got the defensive coordinator plotting against the head coach, you got, you know, let's be candid. Reality shows like the real world don't lend itself to stability, right? When Puck is talking about the other roommates there's or Jersey Shore, you know, when Wow's going crazy, it's serious <laughs> and it's a distraction. I don't see, I get it. Jerry Jones is a showman. And a P.T. Barnum, and he's thinking to whatever degree it hurts the Cowboys, it builds the Cowboy brand. I would make the choice or the case that the winning teams, let's see, who's the great winners? New England. How many times have they been on Hard Knocks? None. All right. Steelers? None. Green Bay? None. Seattle? Nope. I mean, Kansas City now? No. Baltimore? Or, or one, Kansas City was one time in 07. But Andy Reid wasn't there. Right. So what I'm saying is it's not a coincidence that if you ticked off – and, I mean, feel free to name another team that you think rises to the level. You know, uh, re- lately the 49ers, right, with Shanahan, they weren't there. So to me, I'm not sure if there's been one team that was a winning team – over the long midterm with an elite coach that is the type to have the power to say no to the owner. 
I think we're over with that, right? Not yeah. one time. And I also think in today's NFL, where because of the NFLPA, you know, wanting to you know try and exercise some sort of power and flex something, and so what they've agreed to is less practice time and less you know gatherings and less meetings and all that stuff. You have so you have so much so many fewer reps to be able to get prepared for a season. Why do you want to spoil any of that because a camera crew's in the building trying to document a TV show? Like, I agree. And think about it. Let's say you didn't know anything. Let's say you you were a guy that just bought a team, a billionaire, but you weren't, let's say, a big NFL guy. And you come in and say, all right, we got a decision to make on this hard knocks. And then they say, all right, let's see what other people are doing. How many times – who's the winners out there? And they tick off all the teams. Okay. Uh, how many times have they collectively done this? Zero. It's, a, it's not like – Oh, there's a propensity where 42% of the time a team that's losing does it, but only 41%. No, no, never, never has a winning team. And again, we're using winning not as in they had more than 50% of wins last year, but one of the consistent winners in the NFL, they've never done it. And the fact that Dallas has done it three times now or coming into a third is, is a heck of a, I think, it's emblematic of where Dallas is about not just winning. He wants to win, but he's about attention, Jerry Jones, it seems, more than winning, though he loves to win. Last thing, McKenzie, as we looked at narrowing down the results with these teams, we know none has made the Super Bowl. Has, uh, has there been any effect in the first four weeks, last four weeks? What do you say? It seems like teams eventually get uh, get better because the, the first four weeks is about 50-50. Right, so this, is, this is against the spread? Yes, against the spread. But the last four weeks, I'm looking at the last 10 years, it's actually 60% winners for these hard-knock teams the last 10 years. All right, so this is an example where if you try to backfit things, you can get a, you can say left-handed quarterbacks east of the Mississippi <laughs> after 9 p.m. Or it could be, it could be, the fact that they're so happy to get away from hard knocks when they catch your breath, they're better. But what we know is if you just look at the uh, over-under win total, the team of all those teams, they have a there's a losing record. If you just blindly had bet all the hard knocks teams that season to go over the total on their season wins, you would have a below 50% record. And none of the teams have made the Super Bowl. None that participate in Hard Knocks. I think if they watch Hard Knocks, they hardly even make it. But participating, <laughs> forget about it. And then if you look at it again, is if they're losing when it comes to just season win totals. Not by a huge amount, but losing. And finally, none of the winners do it. So this to me is a negative for Dallas, and I can't lie, since I have a Washington, we gave this bet right here, to win the East – Washington football team to win the East at plus 350. Mmm, that's juicy. What's the current number on that, McKenzie? Plus 250. See, Jonas, when I bet it at 350, <laughs> it's going to be at 250 before you know it. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? 
along with my fellow pro bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. College athletes are now able to capitalize on name, image, and likeness. We've seen everything from uh, Division two and three athletes signing with Barstool Sports. There was an Arkansas wide receiver who signed with PetSmart. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff happening in, uh, in college athletics right now. Name, image, likeness. To me, there's two issues here, Jonas. One is it's absurd that there were for so long – these fat and happy NCAA types, and if you've ever been or even observed any kind of bowl game type stuff, it's the swag, it's the parties, it's the drinks, it's the shrimp. They put shrimp in their suit pockets, aluminum foil to take home. It's shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. And then you got kids who literally, and you could make the case, are the... I don't even think you make the case. I think it's un, uh, unequivocal. They're the main reasons these games are popular. It's not the executives. It's the, the players. And they were supposed to be eating, you know, like Roman noodles or whatever for 59 cents on a little hot plate in a given spot. Now, I get it. There's training table. And I get it. There's a lot of advantages that athletes have, especially in revenue sports, D1 at certain schools. No doubt. But you know what? They deserve that and more. And the idea that to have their parents come see them play or something, they couldn't do it oftentimes unless they did something illicit. And it was like, okay, well, that's fine. Just wink, wink, do it. But it's, it's, it's negative. It hurts a society when you force people to break laws. Because if you make something illegal that should be legal and you don't enforce it, you could say, it's no big deal, man, just do it. It's like, yeah, but anytime the government or whoever the authority is decides that, you know, we're going to start enforcing that, all of a sudden now, like, wait a minute, you know, can, can they go after you even though they wink, wink before? And then the thing is, we all have a certain feeling when we do something that breaks the rules. Now, some of us like that. There are certain people that love breaking rules, but most people don't like it. To, so to force someone to break a rule to have what seems like a basic uh, right or at least a basic benefit for being such a, you know, a good player or even a Division One player in a revenue sport, I think is absurd and wrong, especially when it's contrasted with all the shrimp eating that's going on. To <laughs> me, what I find the more fascinating part of this is the whole Title IX debate. So, you know, most people know Title IX is, I think it's fair to say, a subsidy where the revenue sports will help uh, women's sports. And these are sports that maybe are, are oftentimes are a net negative financially, but because they're subsidized by the football program or the basketball program, they get a chance to have a women's soccer team, a women's tennis team, et cetera. And you even saw like a Stanford when, when there was issues of revenue, they were starting to cut sports, a lot of sports. I think they've actually backtracked on that. But, I mean, the very fact that there are these programs is driven by uh, the revenue sports. So, to me, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, anyone that's seen young women uh, participate in sports, I think it's unequivocal that there's a, a real benefit to that. Now, my point would be that now that you want to compensate 
how do you say, well, the women don't get it, but the men do. And we can talk about, well, the revenue generation, all that. I like the name image likeness because it's not about the schools giving any money to these players. Let's not lose sight of that. It's the players being freed to, to be compensated for what they should own anyway. This is yeah. their name, their image, their likeness. And thus, to be compensated for that isn't what the school gave them. It's what, the restriction that was lifted. And the beauty of it is a lot of these women in some of the sports that aren't revenue generating have a huge social media following, like Collins talked about, and they will make a lot of money from it. So to me, it feels very capitalistic and very American. And I think it's a, at least a good start in that direction. And RJ, we've got a good start to the weekend here for a lot of people as we have a best bet now in game six of the NBA playoffs coming up tomorrow night. It is the Bucks at the Hawks. And right now, Atlanta is a two and a half point favorite on pregame.com. Okay, I'm shifting gears from my hot take gear to my cold cash over hot take gear. And I really like and we're going to make a full best bet on the Milwaukee Bucks plus two and a half. Now, we're going to do a comparison here. It's real simple, this handicap. Game three would be the analogous game to this. Trey Young, but, 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 Trey Young wasn't hel- was healthy in that game coming in. And that's where the interesting thing is. But assuming Trey Young being 100% healthy, game three would be the analog, the analogy. And in that game, it was Milwaukee favored with Giannis healthy too by four and a half. Okay, now it's Atlanta by two and a half. So if you do the math, that's seven. But when you go through pick, it actually is worth half as much. So we'll call it a six-point adjustment. Don't have to worry about the math. It's a six-point adjustment. Giannis is worth about six points. So it's like, okay, healthy Trey Young, healthy Giannis. Now we take Giannis away. We adjust it and move six points. Two and a half is exactly right. Except... Trey Young's health is a big question mark. There's a chance he might not play. And even if he does play, it's a great chance he's not going to be 100%. So to whatever degree Trey Young's health is less than 100%, it offers you perfect value here on Milwaukee plus 2.5. Because if Trey Young were 100%, the line should be 2.5. The fact that it is and he's not 100% is value. Full best bet, Milwaukee plus 2.5 over Atlanta Saturday night. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.